This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I'm joined with Jim Sebastio again. Hey, Jim. Hi, Brian. Good to see you. Good to see you. <clears throat> we're, uh, we're looking forward to the topic we're going to tackle uh, today. Before we do that, just want to remind you to go to practicalshepherding.com. You can find resources, other podcasts. We're, we've been talking. We're inching towards 100 episodes coming up here very soon. So you can find all those episodes on the, on the uh, website as well as articles. Uh, books, all uh, a lot of content that we've generated through the years, and we it's all free. We encourage you to to go in, on the website and access that. Today we're gonna we're, we're excited about this conversation. This is a different kind of conversation, but we we know this is a conversation that pastors would benefit from, and that is thinking about what pastors should be reading in regard to pastoral ministry. And almost we specifically want to talk about uh, preparing for sermons, reading commentaries, and those kind of things. Uh, what books should pastors be reading to just be preparing for ministry and thinking about that? And also wanting to be mindful of bivocational pastors who are, who are listening to this and don't have a, just all the time in the world to read. So mm. what are some of those things that maybe aren't 800 pages long that are a little more accessible and and that can be digestible for, uh, yeah, to think about a bivocational pastor who's maybe working two jobs and get, sitting down to read for the first time after kids go to bed at 10 o'clock or at night or whatever. So, what, so Jim, before we dive into this, though, what, I mean, how, any biblical precedent for us to think about we should read? Well, I, I think there is, Brian, and I, I, I put it into the category of, of things like, you know, we are told to labor hard at, the, at word and in doctrine, you know, at the, uh, with, with our doctrine, at plow a straight course. We're, we're, uh, we need to ensure that we are accurate expositors of the word. I think we are, are told in order to be qualified, we need to have good theology, and we need to be able to teach others that theology. So it needs to be theology that's understood and that we have digested and are then able to articulate uh, in, a, in a helpful way. That's part of our our teaching, and so we say. Well, what does that then look like? How do we determine that somebody is sound in doctrine, and in regard to their orthodoxy? And 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 some of that is it's always biblically, you know, founded, but it's also historically known. There there are when when somebody says that they are orthodox, we're saying things like they hold to the Nicene Creed, the Chalcedon Creed, that they they understand this, they understand that, and there are doctrinal statements that have been uh, fabricated, a good word to use, throughout church history uh, that have become even universal, and, and in this sense Catholic, not mm. Roman Catholic, but Catholic documents of the church, that to deny those, to deny the Trinity, to deny the the, the two natures of Christ in one person, those kinds of things. They're not fit for ministry. In fact, we'd say they're not even Christians, and and that's based on an, on historic formulation of systematic, and to a degree of systematic theology. Hmm. So there does need to be some acquaintance with man-made, man-written documents and the contents of those to be understood to be uh, properly qualified. So yeah. it, it's yeah. not just, yes, yeah, so we should be a man of one book, in a sense, but there are books that help us to understand that one book and help us to understand our calling. And there's a mix that we need to read those books of people who are alive and people who are dead. Yeah. Right? So there, there's a strong argument on why we need to be reading pastoral works from different ages so that right. we can and, have a mix so of that. Brian, if I were to break it down, maybe to talk about for us to go back and forth on, so some of it would be understanding our role as a pastor, some pastoral theology books. Yeah. That we would encourage guys, if you have a chance, even if you're only able to read a little bit at a time, but 
Let me make sure that you get a chance to read these books. And, and of course, Brian, really, we just want to plug Practical Shepherding books there. Well, would it be a given that the, we're that, talking Practical given, Shepherding right, books? exactly. As you're listening, just make sure you know that that will that, be assumed. But those so are we'll helpful. To, th- you know, but, but those we'll can be helpful books. things. But there may be some others that we would want to encourage. Right. So uh, I, I think to some degree, devotional reading that helps us as men to keep our hearts warm toward Christ some degree of, of theology, systematic theology, or uh, biblical theology, or historical theology mm-hmm. that helps us in our in our grasp of the truth so yep. that we're not deviating from sound doctrine, and then commentaries, um, good commentaries, and particularly accessible commentaries, the kind of commentary that it, it's not just like helps you to be a scholar, but that helps you to be a faithful pastor to get at the meat of the text and the application, to understand the text, and what does this mean for God's people yeah. uh, in, in preaching? How do I get that across to them? So yeah. those would, are probably the broad categories I would. I would probably add one. Ca- I would probably add the category of ecclesiology. Okay. In that, I know that might yeah. fall no, under yeah, a systematic, yeah. but okay. yeah. um, but I think that that one is is I think is just crucially important for pastors to think through, uh, in particular, and the reason I think that's so crucial. Is because the ecclesiology ultimately tells us how we're going to structure our churches. All right. So, if you had to have one book or a series of books to give to a guy, he's just starting, and and you want to bless him, what are some things you're going to put into his pastoral theology basket? All right. Let's go. Let's do one and go back and forth. All right. Okay. Here's my first. Here's here's one of the first classic ones, and that's the Reformed Pastor by Richard Baxter. Okay. Uh, Puritan. Um, and it's uh, 500 years old. It's a, it is a classic work on how to, you know, he had this amazing house to house, uh, visitation process with his people who are all living in that one area, which is not the case anymore in any pastor now, but he, he had this amazing process where he went and, and shepherded, he catechized people in their home and he just had this rigorous pastoral care model. And uh, it's kind of still like four four hundred years later is is being lifted up as the model. So that'd be that'd be one of the top top books for me. How about you? Okay, I'm going to jump to something modern, and that's uh, Albert Martin's three volumes on pastoral theology. Now this is a biggie. This three is, volumes. It's though. three volumes. Okay, it yeah. is three volumes, in, in which he uh, encapsulates a teaching of about a hundred lectures uh, over years that he taught at a seminary. Um, this has been strongly endorsed by people like Paul Washer's called it the best, you know, best thing he could give somebody in pastoral theology of uh, Joel Beakey, uh, David Murray, uh, other men like that, uh, Conrad Mbewe and others have, have, uh, give, given strong endorsements on, on Al Martin. I had the, I had the privilege of actually sitting and hearing those, uh, in person, but I think that's, it's the most in-depth modern pastoral theology that there is. You can pick and choose, uh, go to this section you feel you need to, but you can also find the lectures online. Uh, I think if I were just getting into ministry mm-hmm. and I wanted to have my heart and mind shaped by strong exegesis coupled with a very deep acquaintance to the masters of the past, Baxter, Spurgeon, Bridges and others, uh, Murphy, Thomas Murphy, uh, mm. Gardner Spring, and others who had written on pastoral theology in the past. He does a great job of synthesizing that data. That's a great. That's a great one. And I I learned about Al Martin through you. So uh, I'm grateful for what I've learned from Pastor Martin in so many different in so many different ways. Um, I 
another book I would mention again. I'm, I'm, what you mentioned, I totally understand why you mentioned it. Yeah, that's it, three volumes. Though, it is. So. It's a lot. And I said you so, might need to. Everybody just keep in mind when we talk accessible. I recommend a 250 page book, and Jim mentioned a 900. <laughs> no, just kidding. I did. I did. <laughs> no, we'll get there. Another book for me is The Christian Ministry Absolutely. by Charles Bridges. Absolutely. So um, some people have asked Mark Dever why he's never written a pastoral theology book, and he says it doesn't need to be done. It's already been written, and he always quotes Charles Bridges' The Christian Ministry. Yeah, that's one of the so most excellent books it, on that. It is, and it is a it is a dense book, um, but it is an incredibly thorough and helpful. And it matter of fact, those of you who, who actually went to, if, if you got the book sent to you from T4G, the there was a, a new reprint of that book that actually was one of the book giveaways. So yeah, and you can also I think it's ninety nine cents on Kindle, so you can oh yeah, there's a lot of different ways you can you can. But but you you've heard us it. talk about the principle of the internal and the external call of God on right. a person's life, with the internal call being that desire, the external call being the local church's affirmation of that call. Both of those things needed to pursue a call in the ministry. Yeah, Bridges is the one, in my understanding, where that idea came from. That's where I learned that of that idea first, and Spurgeon and others uh, yeah. ca- capped onto right. that. So yeah, lectures to my students obviously is yep. one. That's another uh, one. Real quickly before we go on, um, pastoral preaching. So it's pastoral theology. Real quick, books on pa- on preaching or pastoral preaching that you have found oh, most man. helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, I found that I found Christ-centered preaching by Chapel in the early years of trying to learn how to preach was very was a very helpful uh, book. Um, there's, I'm I'm kind of going. I'll go to you. I'm kind of going blank. I got to think in okay, preaching. Sorry categories. about that. Yeah, um, Martin Lloyd Jones' Preaching and Preachers I think is 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 an excellent book. Uh, between Between Two Worlds, John Stott. Yeah, as um, a classic preaching book. That's yep. really helpful. Uh, Power of the Pulpit by Gardner Spring mm-hmm. is also a very good one. I haven't read a lot of the more modern ones. Uh, on uh, I read H.B. Charles's book on preaching recently, yeah. which I, I enjoyed and, yeah. and I profited from. I haven't read something like, I think it's called Saving Eutychus and stuff like that, trying yeah. to help our preaching not to be boring. Saving Eutychus. There, and there's, a, there's an older book called um, An Earnest Ministry by John Engle James. He right. was an Anglican in the 18th century, I believe. And he uh, he wrote a book on an earnest ministry, but a lot of it is about preaching. And I can still remember, like, th- just sections of that book being really uh, impactful for me as uh, in thinking through preaching. And I had read a lot of preaching books up to that point. That's why there's something significant about going back and reading people who preach the same gospel, the same Bible that we have, but preached 200, 300 years or 400 years ago. Yeah. There's things to learn that we cannot learn from even the wise, most wise modern preacher, if mm. you ask me. So, uh, But that that was an impactful one as well. Uh, devotional reading, Brian, things that you have read that have been most helpful to you in cultivating your own soul and delighting in Christ, uh, having a good understanding of God's love for you, things that are just a solid foundation for your feet. Yeah, I did devotion again. Devotionally, as a pastor, I found reading other pastors, even their own their devotional materials. So I think of like a John Newton. Okay, to sit and read the letters of John Newton, which mm-hmm. is what he's known, most known for, was is incredibly encouraging as a pastor. Not he what would, he's most known for, Brian. What would he be most known for if he's you not for a, his I mean, letters? Oh, I don't know. Something like Amazing Grace, <laughs> the, the most famous well, song ever. Well, you're going to pick written. the one him, though. Yeah, then the, yes, that that outweigh. But as far as what, just, what I, Newton I, is, I'm just other than Amazing Grace, right. other than the one hymn that everybody knows, that Newton is is most most celebrated 
as far as his written works. There you go for um, for his letters that he wrote. One of my favorite books is is a book called Wise Counsel mm-hmm. that Banner Truth did, and uh, it's John Newton wrote letters to to John Ryland Jr., who was a mm-hmm. young pastor, and it's basically Newton mentoring Ryland. Uh, from afar through his letters, mm. and so what a what a goldmine it is for a young pastor to read that and in a sense be mentored by John Newton. So, uh, but some of the Puritans I find that that are really good for my soul. Just you, know, you think of, I mean, you're thinking of some classics like you know, Communion with God. You know, you, mm-hmm. Owen, you have the Bruised Reed, mm-hmm. Sibs, Sibs. Uh, so, Thomas Goodwin, The Heart of Christ. I don't know if you've ever read that, yeah. Brian, but I would strongly. Encourage that really for just a really eye-opening, heart-warming sense of your confidence of your union with Christ and the heart of Christ in heaven toward suffering saints and sinners here on earth. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, the, the, as far as devotional, I mean, I know th- I know it's pretty typical in in the modern day to there's like devotional books and things, right? Yeah, I mean, Spurgeon's Morning so, and but, Evening, but it, yeah, Octavius Winslow. That, that was another one for me. Is but I think of it. The category is more for me on who the the writer was, mm. like so, like a Newton or a Spurgeon, like Morning and Evenings. I've spent years and years reading yeah. and I love, you know, but but it's almost like being connected, reading the devotional life of a pastor. Uh, has been particularly um, meaningful. You know, is there me. any one book in that category that you said has been like the most impactful just for you as a man? Like the one book you say, you know what, I was, I was different after reading that book, that, and I've never, uh, it's, it's had that kind of altering effect on me. So, from a devotional standpoint, I think it would it would probably call it would be some of the ones I already mentioned, just some okay. of the Puritans that the works and Spurgeon's yeah. some of Spurgeon's writing. But knowing God probably for me more than any one book, yeah. and I think I, I and I think I feel comfortable putting it under the category. It could go, go really in a sense under systematics, yep. or at least under theology of of doctrine of God. But he writes in a very accessible way right. to open up the glory and the grandeur and awesomeness of God. The, the category we haven't mentioned yet that I think should probably be mentioned here in light of the way you're asking this question. You know, there's what's been good for my soul as a reader is to read biographies mm. of, of pastors. And I have, I find a, a just tremendous amount of encouragement in reading. So some of my, some of my favorite biographies of Christian biographies I've read is George Martin, George Marsden's uh, uh, biography on Jonathan Edwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you haven't read that, it is, is one of the best bo- uh, books I've ever read uh, from a biography standpoint. Uh, George Whitfield, uh, the two volume of Whitfield, the uh, the four volume autobiography of Spurgeon mm. is uh, again these are some of these are larger, but they are worth taking the time. I remember just reading it like a devotional book, reading the four the four volumes of Spurgeon's autobiography like a devotional. Yeah. I would read just small yeah, portions. Right, right, exactly. It took me two years to read it. Yeah, because I just slowly Which is less time than it took for him to write it. So that's fine. <laughs> that's right. And you know, I, there's a there's a biography on Spurgeon and Archibald Brown. Um, that they were friends, and yeah. Rachel Brown. Uh, it's a we wouldn't know about this if, if Ian Murray hadn't done this work, which I'm, I'm really grateful for. But I, mean, I just find a tre- I find a tremendous amount of encouragement in Christian biographies of pastors and missionaries. Yeah, because you hear how the Lord's at work, you can relate to a lot of what's going on in their struggles. I find particular just being moved in the relationships that some of these men had with like their wife, mm-hmm. or the relationship they had with other pastors, and those right. deep friendships that yeah. came from pastors. 
So those are some of the books that really just minister to my soul, and that's why yeah. I read Amen. them. I agree. How about you? Uh, I would add to those uh, probably the things that have been several. Uh, there's a fairly new biography of, say, fairly new last 10 years of John Newton. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, on uh, I think it's called I think it is called Amazing it's Grace. Called Amazing Grace. Yeah, yeah. and then um, to the Golden Shore, which is the life of Adoniram Judson. Yeah, wow, that's what a classic. Is, that's such a yep. great book. Uh, and then one of the things on 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 John Payton, who was a missionary to the New Hebrides, a break your heart and and, and warm your heart. Those two books are two of the most impactful for me. Yeah, uh, those two missionary uh, those two missionary biographies. And then I also got into uh, a few years ago getting involved with the walk with. Jeremy and Austin Walker and Michael Haken and learning about some of these, you know, some of these English Baptists yeah. that that worked together to launch the really the modern missions movement with you know, William Carey and Andrew Fuller and those. Right. So to uh, to get to read about some of those and learn from them on people who are experts on those are really encouraging as well. All right, so let's talk a little bit about um, in order to be, uh, I think, qualified, you need to be sound in doctrine. Bible teaches that. Um, some systematic theologies, or, or like you know, that's you, you put this in the category more of theology. Uh, what would you look at? Who do you recommend in regard to systematic theology, or what, what's on your shelf? Or if you had again give a, a gift, a guy maybe hadn't been to seminary, uh, but he's a layman in your church, and he says, "A pastor, I want to learn more about theology." Uh, is there something? Is there who do you recommend? Yeah, so I think that. Uh, I think uh, Wayne Gruden's systematic theology is the most accessible in general. So I think it's something that that lay people in a church can go through. But, I, but would, I, you, would you say that without any qualification, or would you say, "Hey, beware of this"? Um, I mean, obviously, I think almost anything you're going to say, "Hey, there's meat and bones. You got to spit out the bones." I think if any systematic theology that's big enough that I need help carrying it around is going to need some kind of caveat, regardless on what it what it is, because there's just so much in mm-hmm. there on so many different topics. But I'm speaking, so I think every systematic theology has to be read with a with a, a lens on knowing that they're coming at it with certain views and, and things like that, but. As a whole, I think I think Grudem gets a lot right in a systematic theology. So. Yeah, it's there's not as many Baptists that have written on on systematics as you. There's a lot of good Presbyterian things. Uh, more recently, something like Robert Raymond's, and then you've got Burkhoff's systematic theology, which is a good one volume, good introduction. Uh, you've got Hodges, I think it's two or three volumes. Three, you know, yeah, so Hodges, three volumes. Yeah. And, you, yeah, and you have John Gill, who's really dense, but he's a Baptist, and he and he was. Long, you know, wrote, you know, and then Dag also wrote. Uh, Dag, so yeah. Dag had some systematic theology. Uh, yeah, I think I'm so. thinking of Dag, not Gill. That was, that was, well, I think Gill did too. Did he uh, write uh, systematic? Yeah, okay. Yeah, and so, all right, uh, Body of Divinity, even something like that, an older one, uh, yeah. which is a, you know, to a degree, an exposition taking some of the uh, confession of faith and opening up some of those. Now, now when you're talking uh, theology too, I think we're talking we're talking systematic theology, but I think we, we're. Thing about theology books too. There was some. So I I remember I remember when I read the death of death and the death of Christ. Yeah, and and that was that was impactful for me as I was wrestling through theological yes. with a lot of different theological things. Uh, I have read the uh, the book on I think it was Schreiner and Ware that wrote a that did a book uh, several essays on on the sovereignty of God. Um, I have snapshots of theological issues mm-hmm. that and, and books. When I think when you know I think it was Schreiner that wrote on the impu- the imputed righteousness of Christ that had a just a 
and it was a little book. I, I believe I read maybe wrote it with Piper, but I was just deeply impacted in certain moments where I was having to wrestle through some theological things, and some of these books stick out. That's that's what comes to mind when I think of knowing God. Is, yeah. is it wasn't like I loved it, but I read it at a time where I just I needed to to see have a lens to view God in that way, yeah. in a way that I had had not learned before. And so all those books were impactful. To me, all that falls into a theological, you know, category of. Uh, so we want to. I would encourage pastors to not just be read. I mean, I would encourage somebody, you know, have a good just feel of what encompasses a systematic theology book and all that gets covered in that. But then you pinpoint certain theological issues. Many that we'll have to deal with, you know, in the church. I if you if you do not have a strong doctrinal understanding about your position on baptism, whatever it is, and the Lord's Supper as the two ordinances, make sure you're reading to to solidify what those positions are, and other people can help you wrestle through those things. Uh, the Trinity, uh, doctrine of God, yeah. the uh, under, proper understanding of justification by faith. You know, These are, again, some of the things that are not just like highbrow theology, but really do affect the life and the comfort of uh, of God's people. And so that's why I think I'm going to put them in the category of sure. shepherding type. Uh, you'd mentioned ecclesiology, Brian. Are there uh, certain ecclesiology books that have been most helpful to you? And- Be- before we go to ecclesiology, we, this is probably the moment where we need to mention Calvin's Institutes has to be mentioned in here at some point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, as far as, you know, just thinking, I mean... My wife and I are reading Calvin's Institutes. Stop it, right now, are you really? In our devotions together, yeah, so... (laughs) So, I am not reading Calvin's Institutes with my wife as our devotion, but I think that's great that you all are doing that. But if, if, obviously a lot of people know about that, but if you're, I mean, if you're trying, if you're hearing things for the first time from us, you need to know... Like there is, there is some amazing sections of Calvin's Institutes mm. that articulates theological positions in the most precise way you maybe will ever. Yeah, read and, and and those were ways that were really, um, I can almost argue, world changing as yeah. a result. And that's one of those yeah. books that all alters the uh, the trajectory of the Protestant Church and yeah. of the world, and, and impacts our lives to this day. That's true. So what did you mention? Ecclesiology. I mentioned ecclesiology, and then we want to uh, touch on some commentaries, particularly to be helpful toward. I think. Uh, well, obviously, I'm. You know, I'm a. I I like a ton of the nine mark stuff. I think of a modern day. If somebody asks about ecclesiology, I think it, they they have they have really I think solidified the a lot of the resources around thinking through not just. You know, not just uh, certain aspects of it. They're really trying to cover the gamut of, of from from elders to deacons to membership to church discipline to all the things that revolve around ecclesiology and church church uh, structure. So I, I, you know, I think the most I think the most helpful non Mark's book is the Deliberate Church. Okay, because yeah. it it, uh, it fleshes out ecclesiology as much as there are other resources, but it gets practical on how you actually do that. So I think that's helpful. I'm going to be one of the few moments I'm going to sound geeky ever because I'm usually not like that. But the polity volume that Mark Dever edited years ago, that it's just giant volume. Um, and it is, but I actually enjoy, I, you know, Mark's had a big influence on my life. So he, he encouraged me to read it years ago, but it's a compilation, of all these smaller ecclesiological books that Baptists did. Hundreds wrote hundreds of years ago that really never got, or got published or didn't get wide, any kind of wide circulation, and the book is so big because it's full of these different pastors who wrote about membership and elders and deacons and 
just different ecclesiology. And so I actually, that was, that's a whole nother project, but I, that's one of the most interesting books on ecclesiology that I know exists. Last thing I'll mention is Phil Newton has written a book on uh, elders and congregationalism, and it is it is one of the finest books you'll find on if you're a if you're a Baptist who's elder led in congregation. Right. Not everybody listens and, to this as a Baptist. And, and that's so right. There might that, be some others that you're going to find, but you'd often but you would still find a lot of that very accessible and very helpful. I, I would, and then I think uh, there's like in there's Andrew Strout's or is it uh, Alexander Alexander Strout's. Strout's book on elders. Yeah, is, and on deacons, his and, book uh, and yeah, on deacons. the church's uh, yeah, ministers of mercy is excellent. I think there's, especially from a Presbyterian perspective, um, I, I think, which is going to be elder ruled, but some of the older, there's older books around ecclesiology that I find. Like, I remember um, the book, uh, 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 David Dixon uh, wrote a book on called The Elder, and it's actually a book on pastoral ministry, which is another thing we, sh- we would mention. But I actually learned a lot about ecclesiology. I remember reading that book from. Yeah, him. we just probably should have mentioned William Still's book on, oh, and on being Stills? a pastor. Yeah, yeah. So. Told, how about you? What what ecclesiology for yeah, you? I think you, I might say this again, particularly if I'm trying to say to somebody, listen, this is newer for you. This is this is really going to be helpful. I think something like the Deliberate Church. I went through that. I remember I, I was reading that in Zambia a few years ago, and I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, these are the things that. I, I would a lot of stuff if I were to write a book. There's a lot of stuff I'd want to put in there, sure, and to try to encourage a, a younger man, especially or newer to the ministry, to to think through and consider, and get convictions about the local church. That's good. Last category, Jim, is let's say commentaries. Let's yeah. just take a quick word on, and, and we we want to be mindful, especially in this area, with pastors who are bivocational and maybe don't have a ton of time to read, but have sermon prep and want to be able to do the work of reading and studying. How do you think through your purchase of commentaries? Like, do you buy a whole set of commentaries? Do you go buy one for that book you're preaching through? How do you approach it? Yeah, I, I've done both, Brian. I've, if you were to look at my bookshelf, particularly in the past, because I do, I do do a fair degree of online or, or e-books things now, but you'd be able to look at it and go, oh, well, obviously he's preached. He, or he preached through Ecclesiastes. He preached through Luke. He preached on the Sermon on the Mount. He preached through Ephesians. Yeah, yeah. He preached on Job. You know, you could go through that, and you'd be able to tell because I, I purchased a lot of different uh, things uh, going through that. Um, you know, now, uh, well, and I also in the past, I, I had some several – uh, there may be multi-volume, but they're um, they're not as in depth, you know. So maybe you could cover the whole Bible in f- five, ten, fifteen volumes. Those kinds of things that are. So you have uh, some of them are long. Expositors Bible Commentary or the the uh, the Pulpit Commentary or uh, the New International Commentary or the, those kinds of things uh, that. You could you could then buy and have on your shelf. Obviously, Matthew Henry and Matthew Poole. I know some people are like, "Oh, I can't believe you know." I I saw the other day some oh, professor I- said like, "You quote Matthew Henry, I'm going to flunk you." You know, it's like uh, they're going to be reading Matthew Henry a long time after you're dead, professor. I, I love you know? a lot of Matthew. I love Matthew yeah, Henry. Yeah, so and uh, he can have some very good insight. And he's, it's not that he's a bad theologian right. or that he is That's an right. idiot when it comes to grammar or, or those kinds of things. But what he does is he he is he where he is helpful and and where I think a guy who is I don't have a lot of time. Right. I, I just don't have a lot. Of, but I want to give. He'll give you a, a good 
overview of the text, and he'll help you to see how does this apply to the life of God's people. So those are really the things you want to get at. Mm. Uh, in a sermon, if you're going to be preaching 30, 40 minutes, you want to have an accurate exegesis of the text in context with an understanding of how that applies to God's people. Yeah. So there's a series of books, and this is if I were to recommend any any series for a, a bivocational brother, uh, it's the Wellen series, um, W-E-L-L-Y-N maybe. I should have looked that up before I said that. Um, but they do a very good job. Usually it's, it's one, one volume per book of the Bible. So Isaiah, uh, or, uh, but like I use them very helpful when I was preaching through the historical books, first and second Kings, yeah. uh, and, and those types of books to give you a, a good understanding, good background, a good grasp of what's going on, but they they write at, they're written by pastors as pastors who preach these books to their flocks. Yeah. And so, if you're struggling, thinking, all right, how do I grasp this? What's the main point, or what's the burden of this text? That I don't want to just have my sermon on this historical passage be like a walk through a museum where you understand the history of it and you just pass on. But this is saying something about God. It's saying something. It's ultimately pointing to Christ. It's saying something about God's holiness or his will for our lives. Mm -hmm. How do I come to grasp that in short order? None of these are tremendously long, uh, and and I think it's a very good, helpful overview. It's good. I'll add two things to this conversation. One is uh, D.A. Carson has done a tremendous service to us in that he's done uh, something called a New Testament survey and he's revised it several times because obviously there's books, new books, commentaries being published. But he goes through and analyzes all the commentaries oh, that okay. have been released. And so if you get the most he modern— updated uh, Spurgeon did that, commenting on commentaries. Yeah, and so D.A. Carson has done a great job with—and what he does is he says, this is a good commentary and why. So it helps you know if you're looking for a certain commentary. So obviously I would advocate, you know, if you're preaching through a book of the Bible, you know, buy— a the best commentary or a couple of them on that particular book and instead of buying the whole the whole series but Carson that is a wonderful tool that he's produced and keeps updating so I would encourage that last thing Dale Ralph Davis mm. if you have not read Dale Ralph Davis in in the comment the books the commentaries he's written on certain books of the Bible you have not lived I mean it's just a way to say it like Jeremy Walker first introduced me to Daryl Ralph Davis and uh, I just so he Delroth Davis is American and uh, American not real and a southerner not and, real and, well known but this guy his his commentary like I would read his commentaries if I wasn't preaching through the books yeah like he's smart he's very he's witty earthy, yeah, he's, earthy, he's very good clever, application good. but he's really strong on application and and yeah. just handles the text well and if you haven't just trust me go buy a Dale Ralph Davis commentary you will not you will not regret it so Jim, let's let's pray that uh, would you pray for pastors that that these suggestions maybe we've mentioned a few books they've never heard of uh, that might be helpful to them or maybe they would revisit some old ones but just yeah. pray that this conversation has been helpful for them. Sure. Father in heaven, we uh, as brothers have know the benefit uh, that we have gleaned uh, as men as pastors uh, in reading others and uh, and Lord, we would count it a, a blessing to be able to pass on. 
uh, those benefits to others. And Father, pray especially for those men who feel very hard-pressed in their time uh, to be able to uh, acquire a, a set of tools that will help them quickly to get a grasp uh, on the text and to be able to present it as good food uh, for your sh- your sheep. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.